Thanks to Indeed for supporting the AppleBits XL. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, aka BTZ. Doing it nice, slow, and easy. This is the show where we talk about everything in that kind of Apple ethos. We talk about tech, the greater world at whole, inside, outside. We got some interesting things because Sony announced new headphones. Google I.O. happened, so they released their whole product mix. So we're going to talk about all of that. Also, this show can't be done without you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this podcast. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee. That's the value that I bring. $10, $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level, you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. No ads whatsoever. So Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. And thank you. Thank you so much for your support. All right. Let's get into this. And this week had a lot of interesting things. I think kind of the newest, most recent news that dropped right before the weekend hit was that Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, who was on our show last week as a guest and kind of really just spilled everything that's been cooking and brewing and threw in a few new details that we hadn't heard before. Well, we've heard the rumors and the rumblings, you know, this whole idea of Apple finally bringing USB-C to the iPhone. And, and quite honestly, if you ask me, it's four, five years later than it should have been. I, I really think if they were looking out for the general consumer and not, of course, Apple's own interest in their business, so they have every right to do that, we would have seen Apple bring USB-C to the iPhone 10. quite honestly. It was ready to go then. Well, now, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman is confirming, based on other reports and rumors that we've heard, that Apple is indeed testing iPhones that are equipped with USB-C ports instead of lightning ports. Um, the plan looks like Apple will not make the switch anytime this year. So if you're thinking about, oh, it'd be perfect if they put it in the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro, it should be coming, according to the sources, and in 2023 at the earliest. So yes, they're testing USB-C, no USB-C until next year, which would be the iPhone 15 at the earliest. And when I hear this, this makes total sense because the iPhone 14 is expected to be at least a new form factor, a slightly new revised design. So you get everyone all hyped about that when, oh, it's a new design and maybe it's a little sleeker, um, but it kind of still looks a lot like the old design based on renderings and we'll see what happens, right? The iPhone 14, maybe it comes in new colors, but how do they kind of build hype for using the same model that may or may not be drastically redesigned? How, how do they get some hype for that kind of iPhone 14S model? You put USB-C in there. And then that makes some people say like, oh, dang, should I, should I wait for the iPhone 14, or sorry, the iPhone 15 lineup or not? Which some people call the iPhone 14S. Look, you get the phone if you're ready to get the phone. Not everyone buys a phone every year. We, I, the assumption is that, look, even if they put a USB-C port in there, 
you've got to imagine Apple put some sort of adapter to enable you to still connect to certain lightning devices or part of that ecosystem that uh, that is still very, very lucrative for Apple right now. I mean, they're not just going to abandon it. But then there's also been a lot of buzz about USB-C coming to the iPhone. Look, they have it in MacBook Pros. They have it on the entire iPad lineup. But one of the main reasons they're doing this swap, because I don't think they would ever, if they could, they, they wouldn't go to USB-C for the iPhone because it's so lucrative with the royalties that they get for third-party companies and accessories that use that lightning connector, right? The made-for-iPhone program. But what's really pushing that is we've talked about this. In Europe, there may be legal requirements that would force Apple to use USB-C. So the European Union, they've already started pushing legislation through, but it hasn't been passed yet. That would require Apple to use USB-C technology across its entire product lineup, iPhones, iPads, and AirPods. So all devices sold in Europe, if the legislation passes, would need to have the universal USB-C port. And that means, okay, what if Apple just sells a special USB-C iPhone specifically in Europe? No, there. I mean, that would be crazy if that did happen, but most likely they will do an entire transition to USB-C. And I've been calling out USB-C for quite some time, especially now, especially once Apple started putting ProRes video options, it takes so long to upload those files onto your computer. And sure, you could do AirDrop, but I'm telling you, I've I've put, uh, what, roughly 15, 20-minute files and AirDrop them over. It takes incredibly long. I don't even... I should do a timing test. It takes a long, long time. The other thing is that USB-C technically is faster than Lightning. Significantly faster. You also have the fact that it's a more of a universal standard. Like, we, there's so many reasons why USB-C should be on the iPhone. The reason why it's not on the iPhone is because Apple owns the iPhone. Faster charging speeds, quicker data transfers. So, and also the fact that Apple's other products are using USB-C. So we'll wait and see. It was kind of one of those things that Ming-Chi Kuo and others have reported for a while that they may get one, but now there's actually a... Mark Gurman, as we heard last week, is very admin about his sources and his methodology and i think it's good because he does have credibility once he confirms rumors that have been talked about for a while it leads it then becomes more solidified in general so we'll see usbc the iphone in maybe 2023 on the iphone 15 now iphone 14 pro models are also rumored to feature like a slightly slightly larger screen sizes. That's according to display analyst Ross Young. He says that due to the narrower bezels around the display and this new, you know, rumored pill hole design replacing the notch, and that pill hole uh, shaped cutout within another dot is expected to house the face ID sensors and then the hole will be the front camera. So according to Ross Young, iPhone 13 Pro currently is at 6.06 inches. iPhone 14 Pro will be at 6.06. One two inches. iPhone 13 Pro Max currently at 6.68. iPhone 14 Pro Max will be 6.69. So, if you're hoping for like some huge major difference, it, it, it's not going to happen. 
Um, he's had a really pretty reliable track record historically. So again, we won't see these. I th- I think the biggest thing that I'm excited about is all these rumblings and rumors that the iPhone could come in purple. And then the other rumors that AirPods Max could come in purple. Like I'll, I'll be I'll be real with you all. Uh, I will buy I will buy a pair of AirPods Max that I will proudly wear in public if they make a purple set. That that I will do it. I'll absolutely do it. Uh, this is also another kind of big week and time for Apple because they made the official announcement that Apple was discontinuing the iPod Touch, and we know the transition off of iPods and iPod Touches has happened for a long time, but they were still selling the iPod Touch. I mean, there had been rumors even as far back in the past year that, oh, when is Apple going to release the next generation iPod Touch, even though you're like, why would they? Because really, the iPod Touch has been replaced by hand-me-down iPhones, and even some of the functionality of the iPad. I mean, the biggest killer of the iPod Touch was an old iPhone. And look, the processors in these things, the power that they have, uh, they do so much. But there was that kind of transitional time where the iPod Touch was a big deal, was a big, big deal. I mean, it had a heyday, but this is now the last remaining device in the iPod lineup. It hasn't been updated since May of 2019, so that's three years ago. So here's, I'm just going to read this statement from Apple's marketing chief, Greg Joswiak, about the iPod and his kind of quote of how the spirit of it lives on. Here, here's what, uh, in the official press release, Apple said, Music has always been part of our core at Apple, and bringing it to hundreds of millions of users in a way in the way iPod did impacted more than just the music industry. It also redefined how music is discovered, listened to, and shared. Today, the spirit of iPod lives on. We've integrated an incredible music experience across all of our products, from the iPhone to the Apple Watch to HomePod Mini, and across other devices, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about Apple Music, but... Uh, and how there's no better way to enjoy music. So when you hear this, not only is the iPod Touch being discontinued, but this is the end of the iPod, right? The iPod first introduced October 2001, 21 years ago. I remember seeing there there were no live streams at the time. I remember, I believe, Apple later on uh, published the video from inside cupertino's smaller uh presentation kind of stage but i remember watching this thing and being fascinated by it the whole the whole thing was like you know there were mp3 players from uh was it like sandisk and who are some of the other players like sony you know we were transitioning off of disc mans and now like you know storage solid state like media but small only something around like i feel like it was only around like 64, you know, megabytes of storage. It wasn't big. Maybe it was 32 and 64. You could have like maybe 20 to 40 songs. This is before anything. And and then Apple came in here. The biggest thing was like, oh, it's the size of a deck of cards. And it's a music player. And it looked unlike any other. It had the scroll wheel navigation, which is still to my date, my favorite UI from Apple. And then it had the four buttons around the scroll wheel. So I bought the original iPod. It was only available to work on Mac at the time. There was a joke that they would never do it, make it compatible with PCs. And then there was a press conference later on. I don't know if it was at a WWDC or it might have been at a Mac World where 
Steve Jobs jokingly said, like, hell has frozen over because they finally put iTunes on a PC, which allowed it to sync and now be used. And that's when it really exploded. But I remember buying that iPod and my friends were all fascinated by it. But at the time, you know, not many people were using Apple. They're like, ah, but it's for Apple. I'm not going to use it. But everyone loved it. But it was also $3.99, which was really expensive at the time. I think it was four gigs of storage. A thousand songs in your pocket was the slogan. I still, I've taken pictures, I put on my social media. I still have that original iPod and it still freaking works. And the fun thing about it is that at the time it used a, a FireWire cable and it was a, it was a larger, thicker kind of connection. But I had to buy different cable adapters to allow it to still connect to a, a computer today. Now, I don't sync songs on because I, I like the fact that I looked at my playlist and I, I really just had a huge library collection. And the only playlist I had was like Boys to Men, Prince, R&B Slow Jams, and then everything else was just like whether they're rock songs or pop songs were just in their genre of their list. But it was, it was a game changer. And I still, I don't, I kept it in like pristine condition. I had a case on it from day one. I I would love to use it today, but I'm just worried that if I drop it, it'll dent and then it'll just make me sad. And I don't want to buy someone's used, beat up, janky one. But it's a, you know, looking back at it, I don't know what your first iPod was because I think for many people, many people, that was their first Apple device that they purchased for a lot of people. And that's what kind of got them curious. It was, you know, it, it really was their first Apple product. And they, the iPod is what led Apple to this whole new trajectory of portable devices. The iPod led to the iPhone, which is obviously like Apple's undeniable success. But it, it was one of those products that I think from a mainstream standpoint made Apple relevant again and made them cool again. I remember working at the Apple retail stores and we'd have a whole section dedicated to iPods. You're like, damn. I also remember buying one of those iPod videos and how big was that screen? Was it like less than three inches big? And watching, I would go on flights and watch episodes of The Office on a freaking iPod video. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so it's just kind of, it's kind of an amazing, fun product to look back on. And I hope that it makes you kind of think about, damn, the iPod was historic. We don't talk about it anymore, but 21 years later, Apple has finally discontinued it. And when they did that and they made that announcement, then just, I think, a couple days later, Apple announced that after the discontinuation that they were officially sold out on Apple's US online store of iPod Touch. There's, there's no better way to sell product by saying, hey, it's discontinued. I mean, we talked about the HomePod and how the price has actually gone up because it's been discontinued. And I think the HomePod is still sounds amazing and still looks great and mixes in with your home, but and had all its other flaws that we talk about so much. But, you know, the iPod kind of got a little a little bump. Second Life, I don't even know. I'm going to check here right now. I don't even know if they are... I know Amazon was selling them. I'm going to guess Amazon still has some inventory. But let's just um check here real quick here. iPod Touch, uh, they have re- renewed refurbished ones, but they don't... Oh, yeah. They're completely sold out of brand new in-box packaging iPod Touches. It's all renewed ones now. So there you go. The hype train is real. And uh, 
just kind of a fun way to look back and be like, damn, the iPod was and is still one of my favorite Apple products of all time and, and truly transformed the company. All right, big thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the AppleBits XL podcast. What's a game where no one wins? It's the waiting game. And when it comes to hiring, don't wait for a great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume or Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor job, according to Indeed data. Now, the feature that I love the most that is going to save you the most time if you're looking for help is Instant Match. We know our time is precious and Instant Match works instantly. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. Join more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed. Dot com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Paper qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, if you want to talk about maybe some new product momentum, not too much happening still. You know, we're still kind of chilling in that lull. Ming-Chi Kuo, Apple analyst, leaker, reporter, says Apple is planning to launch a new version of the Apple TV in the second half of this year. Now, he put it out in a tweet, and what he alluded to is really more than anything, not anything revolutionary, because you think, like, oh, how, how are they going to, what are they going to do the Apple TV 4K? Units aren't really flying off the shelves, but the biggest thing that they can do is launch a version of Apple TV that is more affordable and competitive with what else is on the market. So in April of last year, uh, the Apple TV 4K model, they released the you know an updated one with a faster processor. $179 for a 32 gig unit and then $199 for a 64 gig storage uh, capacity. The current, the previous generation Apple TV HD, not 4K, but HD, is available for $149 with 32 gigs of storage. But come on now, we've known this for years. Things like Chromecast and Roku streaming sticks and Fire TV sticks, I mean, they're under 50 bucks. Many other options are under $100. So, okay. Ming-Chi Kuo is saying Apple's going to release a more uh, affordable one that improves the cost structure. So here's the thing. If they're at $149 right now for HD and $179 for a 4K model, uh, sorry, they're not going to go to $99. But I think that $99 would be the sweet spot if they could um, trim down the size of it, factor in the fact that their processors don't require that much. I Someone might say, oh, throw in an M1 to the Apple TV. Okay, put an M1 in the Apple TV. Oh, wh- where where am I going to get advantage of that other than the idea and thinking that it'll be able to run faster and better performing games when I, I just don't... I don't know anyone who really games on the Apple TV consistently. That's all I'm saying. So bring down a lower price. Great, but I don't think it's going to be like a $99 price. 
maybe 129 unless they release like a little dongle. I think what would be really cool is if they did release a little dongle for 99 bucks. Man, even 129 but uh if it's a dongle, yeah, 99 bucks, but they won't. And that'll help kind of really push some more adoption of it. I think I think a lot of people that have Apple TV, they like the interface, but they don't see the reason to buy a new one. And they're like, why why is this thing almost 200 bucks? Just because it's Apple? The biggest thing that Apple has going for it, though, is the Apple TV service, Apple TV Plus, you know, where I think we're just a little bit over two years since it was announced. And uh, it it has made massive strides. The quality of content, 499 I remember when I first did my first impressions video of the Apple TV Plus service. In there, I had talked about, like, if they can become that HBO but a PG-13 version that they would enable them to be a success and find shows that kind of fit in there. And I think that is exactly what they've done. They're not throwing all types of crap on the wall. I I feel like more and more Netflix becomes less valuable to me, especially at $19.99. I think that's what the higher end tier plan is. And I'm really considering after Stranger Things season four comes out, I'm just going to stop subscribing to Netflix for a while because it just there's just not enough stuff in there. I like what's on HBO Max better. I actually like so far now that a lot of shows come out. I like what's on Apple TV Plus better. So I think a lot of people are in that same situation. Like, And Disney Plus, like Disney Plus, HBO Max, and Apple TV Plus, I think that those three are a better combination. I think what, you're probably spending around $4.99 uh, for Apple TV Plus. Disney, oh, I don't even remember what Disney Plus is. Is it around like... 10 bucks. So let's say 15, 25. So let's say you're spending around 25 or $30 for those three versus $20 just on Netflix. What are you going to do? Someone's like, I'm not subscribing to any of them. Some people like do the rotation when a specific show comes on that they like. I think that's a smart way to do, but Apple TV, new, cheaper model. Who knows if they're going to really revamp the hardware sometime in the second half of 2022. Now, you know, the Apple Watch, we've talked about it. What can they do to make it better? And I'm hoping for huge software improvements. But I think hardware, maybe outside of Apple's, where we can see some new developments because we've talked about how there's been a lot of delays in the new health sensors, whether it's blood pressure, whether it's blood sugar or blood glucose monitoring, which those are still a few years away to come to the Apple Watch and pass all the proper regulations and be approved. Um, it's going to take a while. But one kind of company that I think we should keep an eye on is there's a company called Aura. It's spelled A-U-R-A. And they've had this Aura strap last year, which helped out with kind of um, body composition measurements. So that's like fat, muscle, and water balance. So they've just released version two of their Aura strap. And it's actually a physical, you know, like a watch band that has sensors on the opposite side of where the Apple Watch is. So it attaches to it. They've now made it, basically it looks like Apple's solo loop to take these measurements. And it will offer up, like I said, fat, muscle, and water balance measurements on the Apple Watch with the companion app. It's going to be 20% slimmer than the previous model, 5% narrower for a better fit, and it's a stretchable band. Um, the other thing is that measurements can be done with a single touch, and then it has an, an app that obviously complements it. It captures 16 times more data points, and this strap is a significant improvement from the previous one. The other thing is that alongside of this app, there's like a subscription service 
that gives you monthly fitness and nutrition reports, um, deep analytics about your body composition, and then also gives you suggestions of how to improve that based on those numbers. So look, Apple's not doing body composition, and this is kind of a cool way to do that. I think the band itself is roughly, let's see, what what is it? Is it around $149 for the band itself? I believe so. And then their service called Aura Plus is six months free when you buy the band, but then $9.99 per month or $79.99. So it's like they're offering a more in-depth health solution. I think it makes it really interesting and compelling, especially for people that have evolved and want more of their Apple Watch and want to get more information and really care about their health. It's cool. No, they are not sponsoring this. I just, I want to see more from the Apple Watch and this is the kind of cool stuff. So I'm going to actually pre-order the band and use it and see what happens and I'll I'll report back to you all. So the Aura 2 watch band for the Apple Watch. Check it out. Also, this week, Sony released their latest version of their top-tier high-end noise-canceling headphones. They are the Sony, uh, let's give it the proper name, the WH-1000 XM5s, or now known as the XM5s. You heard of the XM4s and the XM3s. I mean, this is Sony's flagship headphone. I think it's it's really met that sweet spot for the consumer of noise-canceling, over-ear, weight, portability, sound quality. So I did a crazy in-depth review of them on my channel, and I did my binaural audio test with my special mic or the binaural experience. And what it, what I am able to do is using mics, a specific type of mic, record what the headphones sound like inside, and then compare them to other headphones. It has an all-new design, super modern, super clean. I love how they look. They're still lightweight. I think they're four grams lighter. And one of the biggest reasons that I don't wear the AirPods Max constantly is because they're super heavy and they just get, they weigh down on your head over time. They, they actually like physically kind of slip and slide down to the top of your ears. Um, and so the XM5s, the sound quality is improved. But what I found is that if you watch the video, they sound better than the XM4s. They use a new 30 millimeter driver. So the bass isn't as oomphy. It still has oomph, but it's not as like thick as the 4s. But then also the XM4s would get kind of muddy. And now they've really improved the mids and the highs on these XM5s. They sound amazing. They have a bigger soundstage. But when I put them head-to-head with those AirPods Max that are $150 more, the AirPods Max still do sound better than the XM5s. And it's going to come down to your ecosystem and how you use them. I use the AirPods Max at home mostly when I'm watching like movies and stuff when uh, when Sean is sleeping. But for for me, when I travel, I've always used the XM4s and I'm going to use the XM5s as my, as my new kind of travel headphone. They don't collapse. They don't fold up. They're kind of like they lay flat like the AirPods Max, so they take up more space. They do come with their own carrying case. They retail for $399, but uh, I think that they're the best all around for weight, price, quality, sound quality, looks. They're my favorite headphone of 2021. But they don't sound as good as the AirPods Max. So it just kind of depends on how you weigh things. And then I also compared them to the latest Bose QC45s and Bose. Unless you're listening to classical music, I think Bose headphones just sound bad. It's, I'm sorry. It's kind of whack. They have such a great reputation, but they built their reputation on on noise canceling and having great sounding headphones. And I think so many companies have surpassed them. And I think in the rankings of uh, headphone brands and 
units they've sold. Bose ranks like around number three uh, worldwide. So they have that reputation, but I would never buy Bose headphones ever again after using Sony's or using Apple's or even Sennheiser's. Um, and then on the high, high end, you have the uh, Bang & Olufsen headphones, which are like $800 that sound even better than the AirPods Max, but I'm not going to buy it, buy those. Um, it's kind of crazy. So check out the XM5s. It's the new competition for the AirPods Max, but uh, one other thing is they they still don't connect to the Sony PlayStations. Um, they they their flagship headphone doesn't connect to their PlayStation. They they still got to figure that out. And then finally, you know, Google I/O just happened, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, here they listen to Apple. Like I'm telling you, man, Google's putting out some awesome products. Now I'm not in the Android ecosystem, but I love what they're doing. I love their design. I love Google's um raw, clean Android OS. So they unveiled pretty much their entire product pixel product lineup for 2022 and the biggest thing was the first reveal after it was leaked and left on a at like a restaurant or something of their new pixel watch which is actually a round face smartwatch it literally looks like what the apple watch would look like if it had a round face meaning it looks really good now i'm still not sold on the round watch face from a standpoint of aesthetically it looks good but from a functionality standpoint you just there's a lot of space that ends up being wasted unless they're really taking advantage of the sides and create kind of some more of a a scroll circular ui which samsung has done pretty successfully and and done really well but the watch looks incredible it's called the pixel watch it'll come out sometime in the fall around the time where they release the new pixel 7 and pixel 7 pro phones which they actually showcase their design instead of it getting leaked on the internet they're just like forget it we're just going to show you what they look like and you can see and find out more about them in the fall they also showcase their new Pixel Buds Pro, which are like their answer to AirPods Pro. And they do some really great stuff. They also added noise cancellation to them. Uses the hands-free Hey Google. There's auto switching between Bluetooth devices. They have quick, uh, quick pairing. They have Google's Find My Device. I mean, when you look at app, uh, Google's product lineup now, after they've kind of decided, hey, we're going to make our own ecosystem and really focus on us, they have their own Tensor processor, which is really kind of like the it's the smartest processor out there in a phone, in my opinion. It is kind of like the smartest smartphone. That's kind of how I look at Google's phones. But they're doing great things. Is are they going to also like threaten Apple and take a bunch of market share? No. But I think if you're a tech fan, you got to appreciate and really like what they're doing. And I just their design is clean. I love it. It's just like modern and clean, and you know. We'll we'll see where it takes them this coming year. So check out all the announcements. Google I.O. They had some fun stuff going on there as well. All right, everybody. That is going to do it for this week's show. First of all, before we wrap up, we always got to give big thanks to our Platinum Apple supporters. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong at the $100 Platinum Apple level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your continued support of all my content and this podcast. Y'all are amazing. And thank you to everyone who continues to rock with me. Uh, You know, it supports the podcast, all my video content, really everything I do. So I can only say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who supports at every different level. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all this stuff. So that's going to do for this week. You know, kind of a little quicker, tighter show, but man, RIP iPod or RIPod? RIPod? Should we say that? It's been a great run. 21 years. So 
Everybody take care. Be safe. We'll see you soon. Talk to you next week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.